Hello, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., as in fellowship, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Connecticut. Today is Tuesday, December 8, 2020, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are in Chapter 2. There is a solution on page 21. Paragraph 2. We will be reading and commenting on the two sentences that begin on the ninth line in the second paragraph on page 21 with he has a positive genius and end on the 15th line in the second paragraph with he is incredibly dishonest and selfish. Today's readers are Jennifer H., Sam S., Crystal P., Katie G., and Katie T. This meeting is being recorded and the recording share ID numbers for yesterday, Monday, December 7th, 2020 are 15,933 for the 7 a.m. Eastern time meeting. That's 15,933 and 15,934 for the 10 a.m. Eastern time meeting. That's 15,934. Three, four. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence, and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Jennifer H. from Virginia to read the OA 12 steps. Good morning, this is Jennifer H. in Virginia. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, and that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. 
Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends wherever possible, excuse me, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Jennifer H. from Virginia. I will now ask Sam S. from Rhode Island to read the OA 12 tradition. Good morning. Thanks, Rebecca, for leading the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name any related facility or outside enterprise, less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Pat. Thank you, Sam S. from Rhode Island. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature. Today, it's just two sentences, actually. Then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. 
In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book, and we are in Chapter 2, There is a Solution, on page 21. We are reading and commenting on the two sentences that begin on the ninth line in the second paragraph on page 21 with, He has a positive genius, and end on the 15th line in the second paragraph with, he is incredibly dishonest and selfish. I will now ask Crystal P. from Toronto, Canada to go ahead and read that for us. He has a positive genius for getting tight at exactly the wrong moment, particularly when some important decision must be made or engagement kept. He's often perfectly sensible and well-balanced concerning everything except liquor, but in that respect, he's incredibly dishonest and selfish. Good morning. This is uh, Crystal P., compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Uh, when I read these lines, it reminded me of uh, my cousin's wedding when I was in the disease. I was her maid of honor, and my cousin was getting married in India, and it meant so much to her for me to come, uh, for me to fly there from Canada and be there as her maid of honor. And I spent thousands of dollars traveling to India. And the night before the wedding, I, I went on a binge. I starved the whole time thinking somehow it would make me look better in the, in the dress, um, you know, that, uh, yeah, that, that, that would kind of help in some way. And then the night before, I couldn't take it anymore, and, and I binged. And uh, the next day, I was so sick, I couldn't even show up to her wedding. In the middle of her wedding ceremony, I had to walk out. And for the rest of the entire wedding, I was sick. And I was, um, you know, sad and and just completely out of it. Like somebody had to leave the wedding to take me home and stay with me. That's how sick I was. I had completely disappointed her, and I blamed her for it, saying, you know, I got sick and you you didn't stand by me, like you didn't, you know, um, support me through it. And I stopped talking to her from there. That's that's how my disease works. I get I get, you know, I do this right at the perfectly wrong time and. I was thinking, you know, what was the dishonesty and selfishness behind all that? And the dishonesty the night before the wedding was, you know, this time my body will react differently. You know, that the last time this happened, it really wasn't that bad. You know, I'm, I'm sure if I do this, like, it won't affect anyone, really. Who, who gets affected by me binging tonight? You know, the, the other dishonesty is that what I do today won't affect what happens tomorrow. I can just keep it in the day. Or the last one is that, you know, even if it does go wrong, I'll just wing it. I'll just make it work somehow, you know? And the selfishness was, I want to eat like people who don't have an allergy. I want my body to react like them. I want to be able to binge and have no consequences to my body or mind or to other people. I feel like everyone should just understand and support me because they can see how important this binging is to me. And that everyone should just understand that my intention to show up is enough. I don't actually have to show up. You know, and... And what's really crazy is that, yes, in other parts of my life, I seemed so sensible and seemed so well-balanced, you know. Um, like, I can show up to work, I can come up with complex strategies, I can execute them, and I can win awards for those. And that's really dangerous because it sort of seeps into my head that somehow I'm a normal person, that it's really not all that bad. But when I actually look back today, all those things I thought were sensible and, and well-balanced in my regular life, this dishonesty and selfishness is so deep, it had seeped in there as well. You know, I, I was like a, just a high-functioning addict, but really, I wasn't very sensible in, in my relationships, 
at my work. I wasn't well balanced at all. I just ran to extremes in everything. It just didn't look like that to the outside world. This disease pervaded every aspect of my life and took away every key moment from me and from my family. But in recovery today, I'm learning sensibility. I'm learning to be well-balanced because the root of my problem is honesty and selfishness is being slowly taken away from me, shaped from me with every day, every passing day that I'm not in the food, every passing day that I'm connected to God, that dishonesty and selfishness is slowly being removed from me so I can think sensibly and I can have balance in my life. And most importantly, that I can show up for my family. Thanks for letting me share my path. Thank you, Crystal T. from Toronto, Canada, for reading and getting us started with your share. Now, although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your sharing to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So if you would like to share on the second, on the two sentences on lines 9 through 15 in the second paragraph on page 21 in the big book, he has a positive genius through he is incredibly dishonest and selfish. Please press star 1 to unmute and state your first name and last initial. And where you're from, too. Barbara E. Barbara E. Nancy Andrew Wales. E. Oh, I didn't Tina hear J. either one. Washington. Wait a minute. I uh, Let me just write down Christina J.'s name, since I heard that Christina J. from Washington. But I think two people spoke before Christina, so... We try again. Nancy L. Nancy L. Sandra B. <clears throat> Is it Sandra B? Yes. Sandra B. Larry G. California. Uh, some, someone G in California. Larry. Larry. Got it. Donna G. Claire E. UK. Claire E. in the UK. Okay, let me tell you who I have. And if I didn't get where you're from, I ask you to um, let us know if you're willing when you speak. Barbara E., Nancy L., Sandra B., Christina J. from Washington, Larry G. from California, Donna G., and Claire, and I didn't get your initial, from the UK. Now, did I miss anyone who did speak up? Okay. Barbara Even, go right ahead. Barbara E. You have the floor, which would require pressing star one to unmute. Thank you. I was talking away. I thought I had unmuted as usual. These few sentences really speak to me because I was always doing things that hurt my family for no good reason at all. I it started early as a as a young child. My mother got me a, me a beautiful dress. I was 15 years old. I was going on a teen tour. I was all set. The dress was ready. But what did I choose to do? I chose to stay in my room. I told the couple that ran the tour I was sick, 
and eat a huge nougat bar and then go down and proceed to eat more. When I really wanted to go to that dance, I'd been preparing for it. And then as an adult, I avoided going to events with my children because I was sure I was too fat and I was going to be judged because, you know, I'm just so important. I avoided doing things, as I said, with my husband, definitely, and my kids. I was selfish, self-seeking, but then all of a sudden at other times I could be kind. They really didn't know who they were who they were living with. Was I that Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde that we talked about before? I would be nice because I wanted to manipulate you. I was sick, I was broken, I was fat, and I was sure I was going to die. But I, for me, I think there's always hope for broken people because the big book will meet me and you where you're at. All I had to be to be willing to do was ask a question, could there be something out there for me to enable me to begin to look for a new set of ideals, to experience faith and not fear and love and not hate and harmony instead of discord and joy rather than sadness and gratitude instead of thanklessness. I felt none of those positive emotions before coming to OA. And they didn't come quickly, but they did come because my guy upstairs, who I charmingly called Gus, inspired me to continue, to not give up, to get through the book and all the steps and directed me to stay. He promised me a miracle and I got one. And I believe we all have our own special Gus. So if you're new or struggling, don't give up on yourself. We are all miracles waiting to happen, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, but it comes. It brought me faith over fear, trust over doubt. Take action and do it. We can do it. I can't get clean on yesterday's showers, so I have to continue to reach out to others and continue to work in 10, 11, and 12. And I finally found my purpose in this world. It's to do service. Thank you. And just say, I will be done, not mine. But first I had to learn to live and love and do the steps. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. You're from New Jersey, I believe. Yeah, New Jersey. You're right. Thanks. Nancy L. Good morning. This is Nancy L. from Georgia. Um, I appreciate this reading so much. And uh, I guess the uh, sharing uh, has reminded me of a very difficult time in my life, which should have been a very happy time in my life. But um, I had been in the program for several years, two or three years, but I was in relapse. Um, when all of this happened but my disease really messed up a very special time I allowed it to literally destroy the joy that I should have experienced that day after being in OA and I was losing weight and I was so feeling so good and then this wonderful man that I had met asked me 
if we could get married. And I thought after 20 years of being alone, it was going to be wonderful to have someone to share my life with. So I went out and bought myself a very lovely dress. And to my delight, I was able to get in it. (laughs) And two weeks, two weeks before the date of this special day, I started back practicing my disease. I binged every day for two weeks. Needless to say, came the day that that I was looking forward to, I could not get in that beautiful dress. So I call my maid of honor in tears and say, I can't, I can't, I can't get in this dress, please. Can you come and help me? And we literally poured me in my fat in that dress and I was so miserable. I was so miserable on this beautiful day. It was supposed to be a beautiful day for me and for my friends who were so happy for me. Instead, I was irritable, discontented. Those words just don't even describe how terrible I felt. I felt that all the way through the ceremony, through the reception, uh, I couldn't wait to get away from that and get alone and get out of that beautiful dress that I'd looked so forward to wearing. Um, But I did something, I did one thing right. Even though I was in a really heavy relapse, I never quit going to my OA meetings. I got back to my OA meetings and got got over that relapse and back into my recovery. But this reading just reminded me so much of that really horrible day. Um, and I thank you for letting me share my experience. Thank you, Nancy. I pass. Thanks. Sandra B. Good morning. This is Sandra B. from Houston, Texas. Um, I'm not recovered yet. I'm on step four. So this this really um, hits really close to home for me because to me, I think I hear those two words, the selfishness, the dishonesty, and literally my mind went straight to a dictionary. You open it up and there's my picture. Like I have discovered so much about myself, how I'm just so full of Sandra. And it's just I'm sad. I'm so sad that I have lived 50 years of my life just thinking of Sandra, 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 Sandra. Everything is just about me. And I and I, I guess what makes me also, besides being sad, now I'm starting to get happier because whenever I start having a thought that just comes into my mind that's re- relating to how can it benefit me, I try to turn it around. And I try to focus on somebody else and not me. And I'm, I'm, you know, writing my resentments, um, writing my fears, and seeing those words, the selfishness, the self-seeking, the dishonesty, the fear. Um, little by little, I'm starting to recognize um, that it's not about me. And it's, it's, you know, that I can change, that I 
you know, and I'm not doing this on my own. That's that's the, the best part is I'm not doing this on my own because I'm waking up every morning. I'm saying my, my prayers and doing my meditation, and I'm waking up and I'm saying, hey, I'm still a compulsive eater this morning. Help me to be a better person, to help others, anything that deals with without having me in it. And I know I've, the conversation I'm having here is still a meanie, but I'm working and I'm trying my best so I can focus on others and, and help others, um, even though I'm, like I said, not recovered, but I'm, I'm trying my best. So thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Sandra B. from Houston, Texas. Christina J. from Washington. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Christina J. from the state of Washington recovered today and feeling very affected by these this couple of sentences. Uh, in 2012, I was um, in white-knuckled recovery. I didn't know about vision yet. I was just losing weight, feeling struggling hard. We were on a musical tour, and we were in Southern California, and this particular um, day we were going to do a show that night, and uh, the owner of the place that let us stay at his daughter's apartment took us to breakfast, and I fiddled around with my food and decided to have ketchup on stuff and triggered the allergy, which which is already triggered. I mean, I was totally triggered and emotional, uh, very white-knuckling and discontent and irritable about this tour. And went back to the apartment. Everybody left to go visit with the owner. And I sat in that apartment forging through everything I could find to find something to take away my ease and comfort, my, dis- my disease. <clears throat> and I found some brownies in the freezer, and I proceeded to eat ten of them. And I laid down, and I realized after about an hour that those were pot brownies. And I hadn't had pot maybe in 25 years, and I freaked out. I started doing jumping jacks. I started making myself throw up. I mean, I was completely altered. And um, I ended up canceling the show. Uh, I ended up disappointing a venue with tons of people that were going to be there and all the band members. And um, later on in that day, my husband and I were sitting, um, and he was telling me some things, some personal things about his life, and I couldn't be present for him. And for the first time in my overeating disease, I realized that I was selfish in my disease, and that the disease got between me and him. It got between me and everybody. It got between everything, anything between God and myself, uh, pot, coffee for me, food. It it disturbs the clear path to that precious connection with God in myself and in others. And it was so horrific for me to realize that, but it was a great moment of realization but um, very self-centered. I was very selfish and self-centered in, in those actions that day. I had no idea. All I wanted to do was get my fix so I could feel better. And in that, I cannot have any shame or blame. But at the same time, it tears my heart out to realize that these things got in the way of every relationship I had all of my life. This food did. I could not be present. And today, <clears throat> of course, I'm walking a recovered path day by day, moment by moment, and working to stay in compassion and love for others. And this program does that. It opens you up to deeper and deeper levels within yourself. And you, it's shocking how you come to realize how much you care for others and how much you don't want the food to get in the way of any relationship. Um, so thank you for letting me share, and I wish everyone a beautiful day. And those that are new, get on the path. It's, it's really 
a lovely, beautiful soul awakening path. I pass. Thank you, Christina J. from Washington. Larry G. from California is going to share next, but Larry, just give me a minute to let anyone who got on the line late know where we are in the book. Uh, Just to remind you, we're sharing on the two sentences on lines 9 through 15 in the second paragraph on page 21 in the big book. He has a positive genius through he is incredibly dishonest and selfish. Thanks for waiting, Larry G. It's your turn. Good morning. My name is Larry G. I'm from California. And I want to thank the moderator for acknowledging us Californians being up before 4 a.m. But let's not forget, many of us were up 4 a.m. or earlier binging, at least that was my case before visions uh, in, in May of this year. Um, if I would have read, studied the big book while attending uh, OA for the first 26 years prior to visions, um, I would have would have read the, these um, this paragraph, and all that I would have been able to see was I had a positive genius. Um, I was sensible, well balanced. Um, I was I possessed special abilities, skills, aptitudes. Had a promising career. Had gifts I offered my family, and and so on. I would never have saw. I, I never would have seen myself. Uh, as Mr. Hyde, um, insanely drunk, uh, <clears throat> antisocial, I had, would have never read that. Um, one of my worst days of the week was uh, on Sundays while attending the church of NFL Sunday. I made sure I had all my binge foods. I would conservatively eat 30,000, 40,000 calories, um, become uh, intoxicated with food, antisocial, disconnected, um, unable to stop. But I thought of myself as a moderate drinker. Um, you know, the next morning with a frothy emotional appeal, I would start attending uh, OA meetings, starting to detox and present myself as abstinent. Um, if I could have that kind of binge and stop, then I was not an alcoholic. I was a moderate drinker. And thank God for the, um, for this, for the uh, hitting rock bottom in May this year. I hit rock bottom emotionally, spiritually, and physically. When I came into Visions on May 17th, uh, I didn't want to live. And I was working on 39 years of sobriety. And I did not want to live. Um, and working with my uh, sponsor, my vision sponsor, I'm so grateful that she was so willing to poke holes into my grandiosity and defiance and arrogance because uh, uh, I was I was a sick man. Um, I had a warped mind. I could not see the truth from the false. And I'm here to tell you today that um, I am a different person today. Um, last Sunday, um, I did not ch- attend the church of NFL Sunday. I spent that time with my wife. Food was third, third or fourth on the list. I was awake. I was alive. I was productive. Um, and food was third or fourth on the list. I, I just so grateful for that surrender. I'm so grateful that God has brought me to visions and working the steps through the AA Big Book. Thank you for your service. I pass. Thank you, Larry G. from California. Donna G. Hi, this is Donna G., uh, compulsive overeater, recovered. 
by God's grace here in Pennsylvania. Um, I felt led to share this morning because the word um, balanced really jumped out at me. And I, I've begun being one of those people who look up a lot of definitions, but and there were other words such as tight that I was thinking, huh, I wonder what it meant back then and, and, and that sort of thing. But really the word balanced jumped out the most. And, and that's why I felt led to share um, some of my experience, strength, and hope, which I hope will, will inspire somebody out there. Um, I was not balanced in any area. I'd like to think I was. I'd like to think that I was balanced as a parent, balanced in my, um, in my work, um, never lost a job. Um, I take that back, lost one job when I was really young, but, um, you know, managed to keep, keep decent positions, um, managed to get by, get through as a parent and the head of household. And, um, but no, I was not well balanced or sensible in any area. And, you know, one of the hard truths that God is revealing to me is I had so many resentments um, to employers and to family members that other people always got chosen over me for, for different positions and different responsibilities. And really what it came down to was this this issue of I was not reliable. I was the you know, Jekyll and Hyde. I was, you didn't know what you were going to get. And so I just wanted to share because um, that is so amazing to me. That's the most amazing change I think of anything, really. I mean, there's so many that has come about through getting recovered and working the steps. Um, This concept of balance. I had um, just yesterday, and it's probably why it jumped out at me, a fellow call me and say, I wanted to get your opinion on this. I really value your opinion because you're so balanced. (laughs) I was like looking around, like, who is she talking to? Who is this person she's talking to? Um, And I've had that happen a lot lately. I had an employer um, say to me in an email through this pandemic, I want to, you know, applaud you. I'm paraphrasing, but I want to applaud you for being so, um, what was her work? Steady for being so steady. I'm like, who is this person? (laughs) Well, who's she talking about, right? Um, And then my mother, my mother, uh, the last time I saw her said, I don't worry about you at all. You really, you're uh, paraphrasing again, something about my thinking being really, you know, uh, on par or steady or, you know, something like that. And I'm like, who is this person they're talking about? But but that's really all God. So I'm just calling because, um, I mean, I'm just, uh, I'm sorry, sharing because I wanted to share that, that, that this can happen. I mean, to someone like me who literally, this is very hard for me to share, but, uh, and very embarrassing to share, but I literally was not able to be dependable enough to show up the day my dad died. Um, that, that from that person to this person who, um, people see as steady and balanced is just amazing to me. And and it's all because of God. It's all because of working the steps. It's not me. Um, of my own power, I can't do any of this. So I just wanted to share that, um, and I hope it inspires somebody who's maybe new or, or thinking, uh, you know, that that can't happen. Um, and, and I thank you for your service. I'll pass.
Thank you, Donna G. from Pennsylvania. Claire from the UK, and then we'll take more names. Hi, everyone. Thanks very much for the service and um, put into this meeting. My name's Claire E, and I'm a recovered compulsive eater in the UK. Um, I was struggling to think of the times that I got tight at exactly the wrong moment. Um, and I know that the big book's referring to sort of getting drunk at that point. Um, but actually, you know what, what I really identify with is probably getting tight, you know, getting irritable, restless, discontent, really related to what was shared yesterday about this, um, the Jekyll and Hyde, but the, 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 the Hyde characters being more when I wasn't eating. It was just, I was just a nightmare. I was absolute, really difficult to live with when I wanted to eat, but I couldn't for some reason. And I usually was probably able to write white knuckle it for some important decision or engagement, but I suspect I was extremely irritable, restless and discontent. Um, and, um, and just when people really needed me to be functional and when they actually had expectations of me, I just wasn't a nice person to be around at all um, because what I wanted to do was isolate and be able to eat my food. Um, and going on to sort of the perfectly sensible and well-balanced, <laughs> it makes me laugh actually because I would probably have described myself as exactly that, sensible and well-balanced, except in every little area of my life, except in that, that bit about food. Um, and I might have admitted that in that respect, I'm dishonest and selfish. But actually, on retrospect, I mean, yes, for sure, I was incredibly dishonest and selfish. And actually, I got out the character defect sheet when I was when I was looking at this um, at the beginning of the meeting. And, you know, that sort of too concerned about me, my needs, my wants, wanting to look good, image management, you know, all of this this stuff, the selfishness, the, the, the ruthless selfishness that I just would not engage with any activity that someone else wanted to do if I couldn't get my food. If I wanted to eat, there was nothing that was going to stand in the way of me getting that. And I've got rid of people in the house. I've, I've, I've manipulated people to go out. I've, um, you know, I've sat there with glazed eyes reading my children's stories uh, mentally taking the inventory of the fridge to try and work out what I'm going to eat as soon as I can get rid of these children and go to bed and that's 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 a terrible thing to say but that's what's that's that's how my how selfish my illness made me and then the dishonesty um you know I heard it shared that the first victim of this illness is, is uh, the first victim is dishonesty and it, you know the dishonesty to other people I, my mum once described me she said she didn't know whether what came out of my mouth was a lie or the truth I was such a compulsive liar I lied when it would have been easier just to have been honest about stuff. Um, and um, and then just the lies I used to tell myself, you know, the dishonesty with myself is just a little bit of this. Um, I can still be selfish and dishonest around my food. I can still be too concerned with what goes on my plate. I can still be very perfectionistic about it. I can still be very, um, yeah, for sure, there's, there's definitely selfishness and dishonesty that can go on there. Um, we're just going back to that perfectly sensible and well-balanced on retrospect, I wasn't really perfectly sensible and well-balanced about anything in my life. Um, that's something I'm not capable of doing without my contact with a higher power and without working the program. But the great news is that if I do work my program and, and maintain my abstinence, I can be perfectly sensible, well-balanced and unselfish around but I can't do that without help, and um, and I can't do that without good connection with the power greater than me. And I will pass on that. Thank you so much for hearing me. Thank you, Claire E. from the UK. Well, if you haven't shared on A Vision for You on Friday or Monday and would like to share on this two sentences on lines 9 through 15 in the second paragraph on page 21 in the big book, He Has a Positive Genius Through He is Incredibly Dishonest and Selfish, 
Please press star one to unmute and state your first name and last initial. Linda Kathleen D. W. Okay, wait one second. I have Linda D. And who W? Kathleen. Kathleen W. Was that there another person? Say that again. All I so have is Linda D. And, oh, I'm sorry. Try it one more time. Okay. Phil, short for Philomena M. Oh, Phil. Phil M. Thank you. Maybe room for two more? One or two more? Okay, we have Linda B, Kathleen W. Oh, go ahead. Who is it? Linda F in Florida. Linda, Linda F. I think you'll round us out. Matt JF. So we, Matt, I'll put you in and we'll see if someone goes short. There might be room for you. So Linda D, Kathleen W, Phil M, Linda F, and possibly Matt JF. Go ahead, Linda D. Hi, everybody. It's Linda D from Connecticut. And I am recovered by God's grace. How wonderful to be with all of you. I laughed. It's not something I was able to do the first time I did a fourth step, but um, I laughed at the part where it set up perfectly sensible. Wait a minute, where is it? Uh, uh, perfectly sensible and well-balanced. <laughs> that would be high-functioning. No, that was not me. I, In a way, in an odd way, I was very blessed because I was shattered and I was like 22 years old and I was shot and I knew it. And I never heard of OA until um, Grace hit my life. I didn't know that. I just happened to see something on TV. And uh, and that was a long time ago, and it's taken me a very long time to be where I am today. And um, I've been carried here uh, from the inside by uh, my soul, by, by God. Now, that's uh, a very spiritual thing to say, which I had no idea was true. All I did was wander in, broken, and I did my first fourth step, and I took it like a witch hunt, and that isn't the way it's meant, but that's, and I, the shame and the fear, and I had to feel all those feelings and go through everything and sit with a sponsor, and she was wonderful. She took notes and didn't throw up, didn't react, just told me patterns and gave me the outline of, you know, how you break that down um, and handle that with the steps. And and so I had something to work with. And, and I've been working with it for uh, almost uh, 40 years. It's a real long time. And I'm so grateful to be here and say that I don't have to self-destruct with food or in any way today, any way at all. And I'm very happy to be me. Unless I'm really annoyed with me and then I have a way to turn to God and and feel so much better and to go through uh, something like a pandemic it's a pretty big deal to me it's terrifying and I look well balanced I might not feel really good about it but I can do it and I can manage 
I can uh, shine in my life. I'm a very loving person. And it's, I didn't start that way, but I am ending up that way. And, and I love the person that I see in the mirror. I really love her. And I love you. Thank you for helping me to get well. I pass. Thank you, Linda D. from Connecticut. Kathleen W. <clears throat> and where you're from. Kathleen W. Good morning. This is Kathleen W. from Illinois. I thought I was unmuted. Um, good morning, and thank you all for your sharing. Um, this is an interesting paragraph uh, for me. Um, I did not get to that place in my disease, in OA, in my compulsive uh, eating disease, where I was not showing up for, for engagements or you know, getting tied exactly the wrong moment. I, I did not have that experience. However, I did have this experience that, uh, oh, nor did I have the experience that I was often perfectly sensible and well-balanced concerning everything except liquor, even though I had been um, a sub- sober uh, from liquor for many, many years, there was still uh, places in me of, you know, uh, raging from time to time and uh, things like that. So I didn't have that perfect balance. Emotionally, I was not perfectly balanced, even though I had a wonderful experience of sobriety and, and promise, promises that I had uh, become aware of and, and experienced in my life because of my sobriety from from liquor. But uh, with the food, it was another poor thing. And so uh, as God was leading me on deeper into my sobriety, it also now started talk, you know, coming into the, my, my food. Um, so I, w- I did not experience obesity. Um, I was a high bottom drunk as far as the food was concerned. What I did experience was um, this uh, being dishonest and selfish around the food. And uh, at one time after I was in OA for a, a few years, I couldn't get I couldn't get uh, sober uh, with the food entirely, and so I had a food sponsor, and I thought this is going to help me stay on a plan that I was not able to stay on. Um, and um, at that time, I still had doubts in my mind whether or not I was a compulsive overeater, uh, and I thought maybe, you know, I was going to be able to get on this plan. The sponsor is going to help me stay on this plan. Uh, I was still, you know, trying to uh, manage my image uh, because what I had problems with is I had problems um, not only staying on that plan, I had problems being honest about the food. And uh, one thing I did know at that time is that addicts are liars. And I noticed that I had this, because of, you know, I was supposed to follow this plan and I was supposed to call it in and I was supposed to tell the truth to my sponsor. This is one thing that he asked me to do, just be honest and uh, call it in. And I thought, oh, that's not a problem, not a problem, I can do that. Well, guess what? I could not hardly be honest. I I had a struggle to be honest about the food. I wanted to sugarcoat it or say that I ate less than what I did and uh, what what really that that whole thing did me what good it did me is to find out that how dishonest I was about the food and really come to the knowledge that yeah this is 
I have a problem with this compulsive overeating. And that's all I wanted to share. Thank you so much. God bless. Bye now. Pass. Thank you, Kathleen W. from Illinois. Phil M. Thank you so much for your service and for hearing me. Can you hear me now, yes? Yes, Phil. Go right ahead. Thank you so much. I'm Phil, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater from Northern Ireland and delighted to be on here with everyone. Um, as some others have shared, it wasn't a matter of uh, you know getting tight at exactly the wrong moment. There were lots and lots of moments stretching into years. Um, I used to work for a really nice food hall, um, which I enjoyed. Um, and when I was abstinent earlier on in 2012, about a year and a half, I was able to see my customers genuinely take an interest in them, talk to them and care about them. However, when I was in the food, uh, that was quite different. All I could see was the food coming through and planning which ones of these treats would I be buying later after work. And I used to be amazed at people not actually purchasing any sweet stuff, you know, when they came came into the shop. Um, it There was one particular time that comes to mind that was a bit of a nightmare. I went up to the staff canteen. There was no one there. And so I was able to indulge in having three trifles. And there was a voice inside, which I guess I'm pretty sure was my higher power telling me not to do this. It was very loud, but I just put it away because this is what I had wanted. I'd wanted the place to myself. I ate the trifles down, keeping myself late for a mindfulness class of all things. So then I was probably in a rush and probably quite dangerously across town, parked in the wrong place ended up rushing in a dark night and tripped over a, a traffic hump, um, uh, cut my forehead, was bleeding a lot, and broke my wrist. And it set in the train of events, uh, which was very distressing to to our family. Um, and uh, it, it took months and months to get over that. So now, thankfully, I'm beginning to listen to my higher power a bit better, the voice is quieter, and um, even when it doesn't make sense to me, I try to obey it, and um, things turn out far, far better when I'm doing what that quiet voice is telling me. Um, Now, for the past couple of nights, I've been having food dreams. I don't have food dreams so much, not since I came into vision, so I know they're a warning. I did do a step 10 yesterday, uh, realised that I needed to do that. Um, And tomorrow I'll be speaking to my sponsor and we'll talk about it. And um, I'll be bringing it to my higher power as well. Someone's ringing me later to ask me about my favourite paragraphs in a number of chapters in the big book. So I'm going to have time and the privilege to read those chapters. And I know that all of this will be helping. Being here is helping, working the programme and having the honour of sharing this journey with yourselves on this path of happy destiny, not too happy destiny without a path. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Bill M. from Northern Ireland. Linda F. Linda F. Star one to unmute Linda F. Hi there. Sorry, it took me a minute to get unmuted. This is Linda in Florida. I wanted to express gratitude today. 
I've been uh, back on my food program a couple days, and I didn't want to go out and walk because of how bad I think I look in my clothes out walking. And, you know, after being in the program for just two days and the positive thoughts, I was able to get myself out this morning, which is why I'm a little bit out of breath. I was hustling to get away from traffic. And I also wanted to say I am grateful for hearing about the condiment that led somebody back into eating because I have, I am in AA and I really get it to never, never go near uh, the beverage. I haven't gotten it to the same degree about the food though. And hearing the person say that really helped me because I, I identified with that. Also, I listened, uh, the food thoughts were really nipping at my mind yesterday and bothering me. So I took my computer up to bed at 6 p.m. and watched a movie, woke up at midnight and listened to uh, the podcast on the 10th step from uh, Sunday. And that was that was so good. I talked about it with my sponsor this morning. And we decided we both, despite having been in other programs forever, you know, that's where we both are. That's our, you know, growing edge, so to speak. So thanks, everybody, and I'll pass with that. Thanks, Linda F. You know, Matt, J.F., we do have two to three minutes for you. So take it away, Matt S. Thank you so much, and thank you for your service. Um, <clears throat> this uh, Reading these two sentences today, uh, just a couple of days after someone asked me uh, whether the people in my life recognize a difference before and after uh, recovery. And I told them about my daughter, who's 20, and uh, she's living with me now for the first time, full time, for the first time in five, I guess, almost six years now, since her mom and I uh, began splitting up. And <clears throat> I asked her at one point, fairly, maybe a couple months ago, it's been about four months now, I asked her whether she saw a difference. She knows about my program, and she's not super psyched about it because she's, you know, She's a bullheaded atheist in the way that only a 20-year-old can be a bullheaded anything. And, uh, and so step three really drives her around the bend. And uh, she said, you're just much calmer and happier now. And I remember at the time thinking, like, yeah, that feels right. So cut to yesterday when, she, you know, I'm like, I don't know, reading something on my phone. Nothing important. And she has a concern, something that she's mentioned that she wants to wants us to work together to take care of. It's like a subscription thing. It's not a big thing. And she said, oh, dad. And I like snarled at her. What? Like, how dare you impinge upon my moment of leaning against the island in the kitchen and reading an article on my phone that someone shared on the Facebook? And she was really taken aback and I don't blame her at all. And so I realized in doing my, my inventory and I apologized in the moment, but like not super sincerely, I didn't even know what had happened. 
So yesterday I sat down with her and apologized and, and made amends to her for that. And the thing that I've realized lately is that for me, being recovered is not about those, those moments don't show up. It's not about feelings I don't enjoy don't show up. It doesn't matter how, how good a wall or strong a door I build, they still do. It's, it's about what I do when they happen and how I respond after. And um, it was only in realizing that that I could let go of that illusory goal of like, I'm going to never have bad feelings. That's not the point. The point is to do a tough step when I have bad feelings, to make amends when I harm someone. And I can't believe that's my life today. Um, and that's, that's quite, I really identified a lot with this paragraph because I recognize so much of the way I used to be in it and, uh, and the contrast with the way that my life is today, not the way that I am, but the way that my life is. Um, because that doesn't come from me. That comes from getting alignment with my higher power. So if you're wondering when those things are going to stop showing up, maybe you'll be like me and they won't. It's just about getting better at how you deal with them. And I pass. Thank you, Matt. JF, I believe, are you from Kentucky? I am. Good memory. Eastern time. And I think Linda F. is from Florida, and I forgot to say that. Um, so that is all the time we have for sharing in this first hour today. Um, this is Linda. I just wanted to say it's S like in Sam oh, or silly. thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah, you, Linda. Come across on the phone. You I know. I, I, I have the same problem with my last initial, which is F as in fellowship. Okay, S, Linda S as in uh, Serene from Florida was shared before Matt JF. Well, um, thank you everyone for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The share ID number for this meeting, Tuesday, December 8th, 2020, 7 a.m. Eastern Time is 15,942. That's 15942. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Katie G. from Boston, Massachusetts, please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Hey, Rebecca. Good morning, everyone. Katie G. recovered in Boston. <clears throat> Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.